Welcome to Uncover the Human, where every conversation revolves around enhancing all the connections in our lives. Whether that's with our families, co-workers, or even ourselves. When we can be our authentic selves, magic happens. This is Christina Amigoni. And this is Alex Cullimore. Let's, Let's dive, dive in. in. Authenticity means freedom. Authenticity means going with your gut. Authenticity is bringing 100% of yourself. Not just the parts you think people want to see, but all of you. Being authentic means that you have integrity to yourself. It's the way our intuition is whispering something deep-rooted and true. Authenticity is when you truly know yourself. You remember and connect to who you were before others told you who you should be. It's transparency, relatability, no frills, no makeup, just being. Hi, welcome back to this episode of Uncover the Human. Today, it's just Christina and I. We wanted to give a chance just to talk through and recommend a couple books that we've really enjoyed over the last few years and make this a quick book club recommendation list from just some human first thinking. So with that, do you want to start, Christina? You want me to start? Why don't you start? Your topic. All right. (laughs) So we're obviously a little bit of uh, gluttons for leadership material. We love uh, kind of reading about it, digesting all the new thoughts on it. And we have a couple that are really bubbled to the surface that we refer to a lot in our own internal workings at Siamo. And it's a lot of what informs how we operate and a lot of ways how we think about life and interactions with people in general. It's just that's the, that's the filter we love to see the world out of. So with that, we came up with two big ones that we would we, we kind of made informally required reading within Siamo. And the one that comes up first for me is The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And that one is a great book on basically kind of leadership philosophy. It's an idea of how do you think about things in a much larger scale? I mean, we are all part of a much larger timeline than we will ever comprehend or actually actively participate in. So what are you doing? What is your company doing that is got more of a just cause that everybody is moving towards and something that will outlive you and a, and a mission and a vision you can't possibly accomplish. It never really has an endpoint, but you're still moving the needle in that direction. The Infinite Game has a lot of descriptions of how to think about things in terms of infinite versus finite thinking and what that really means and how you can endorse a much larger view and spare yourself some of the immediate slings and arrows of just ups and downs, as well as keep yourself moving towards a vision and keep everybody motivated towards what is the large thing we're moving towards. It helps make decisions. It helps guide how you're thinking about anything. Yeah, I love that. I love that book. I listened to it. I think it was 2019 at this point when I listened to that. It, It just completely changed my perspective of almost anything and everything. I love the perspective of thinking about the infinite mindset, meaning like there isn't a, a finite size of the pie in anything. And especially when it comes to collaborations with others and helping others and also information that's available that you make available to others. I think that's one of the things that struck to me the most is what if we didn't keep information to ourselves just in case the other, whether it's a potential competitor or a perceived competitor or somebody in the same realm of of industry, if we share the information, they'll just go out and steal our client just because we mentioned something like, oh, you know, like we're, I don't know, we're either pitching or this is a service that we're providing or any type of information. But it really switches things when you realize that that's we can't control. We can't control who the client is going to hire. What we can't control is whether we look at others as partners and collaborators and, you know, potential 
you know, I guess just potential people that we respect and we share. We don't withhold information just in case they will take from us. We can't control that anyway. We're not there to determine what they will take from us, not only, but it opens up an immense way to look at the world and of sharing and advancing that just cause that Alex mentioned. What is our common just cause? Well, then does it really matter that we do it or somebody else does it in this instance? Can we actually have the capacity to serve every single company, client, person, and individual that we want in the world with what we provide? Not even close. So what are we afraid (laughs) of? Yeah. I love the idea that pitching for like customers and stuff too, pitching for clients, like, no, yeah, one person is going to win that one contract. Sure, one company is going to do that. But there are other contracts out there. B, you you have a chance to refine and change your messaging. And C, like, where's your real niche? If you think about like the just cause for Siamo is to bring and humanize the workplace a lot more. Hey, get, bring humanity back and make sure that we're working in human ways because we you get tremendous value as a business and as people when you are acting in a more human way. We do this through leadership development. We do this through uplifting leaders and changing cultures. That's our angle on this. That's not the only angle on this. That's not the only work to be done. And even if there were people who were taking that exact same angle, to your point, there are way too many companies in the world, in the nation, in the state that we could never serve all of these. There's no way we possibly get to all of them. It would be hamstringing the entire just cause for us not to be handing that to as many partners that we know that can deliver the similar work or can deliver the right thing for this client. That's where you start to really play in the infinite mindset and it reduces a lot of that stress and anxiety of treating everything as competition. And I think Simon Sinek, even rather than calling it competition, he talks about worthy rivals. And that actually, interestingly, segues us into our other book that we have mm-hmm. recommended. So one of the worthy rivals that Simon brings up is Adam Grant. As Simon Sinek is a lot, uh, really likes it and is great at coming up with language that is sounds great, great marketing, great stage presence. And Adam Grant is much more the organizational psychologist who does research. And so Simon talks about feeling a little bit insecure about that because he's much more, Adam's a little bit more experiment-backed and data-backed, and Simon's uh, more in the realm of philosophy. There's a place for both of these. And once he stopped feeling like it was a competition between who's selling more books and started to realize it was just somebody he could learn a lot from and could you know, take some of those habits and build his own repertoire and they can both learn from each other. And he even talks about being in a conference with Adam Grant at one point and, and just admitting on stage, like, look, I, I feel insecure about your book sales. And Adam Grant was like, well, I, I feel the same way. And he found <laughs> out that uh, Adam Grant was actually feeling that like yeah. he was also in competition mm-hmm. with Simon on that. Um, but that brings up Adam Grant's book that we, we've liked, Give and Take, which is this incredible book about reciprocity styles. When we're humans, we're social beings, and are we givers, are we takers, are we matchers? Do we give more than we receive? Do we look to take as much as we possibly can and give as little back? Or do we look to just try and keep things even? If somebody gives us something, we try and give back the same amount in social currency. And just kind of the different consequences of what happens when you have these and how humans react to givers and takers and matchers. It's it's a fascinating book. I would absolutely recommend that to anybody because it'll change how you work with people. It'll change how you work in companies. It'll change how you think about social interaction. Yeah, it really does. What I really like about it is how Adam does a great job at providing examples where if you are stuck in the in the moment, in the success of the moment, in the success of the quarter or the year, as the only measure of success, 
it may appear in a lot of cases that takers or matchers are the ones that are winning, if we want to use a winning and losing, meaning like they have more success defined by, well, in this quarter or in this deal, you know, like if, if we narrow it down. However, if we expand the view a little bit like the meme of the dog in front of the fireplace, where it looks like he's just cozying up, you know, with a mug of uh, hot chocolate in front of the fireplace. And when you zoom out, he's actually in the middle of a house fire and not doing anything about it. And so that's what Adam explains really well in the book is like when you zoom out from a, a larger chronological event or larger time continuum, that's when you realize like, actually, no, it's the givers that are successful because what comes around goes around karma. You know, there's a million ways to say this. The more you give and the more you focus on giving without expecting anything in return, just because that's what you want to do, things do come back tenfold, fivefold, threefold in completely different ways that you didn't expect. It's just a matter of getting past the, I got to meet the numbers this quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Givers. I mean, everybody is willing to go help a giver. They, you, yes. you, will, you will help a giver that gave to you years ago. If they just happen to be around you, like we all keep some amount of reciprocity in our minds of like, Hey, I really appreciated this one thing this person did for me. And maybe I haven't had a chance to give it back to them, but at some point that chance comes up and that's that you, you immediately will help with that. And on the flip side, somebody's a taker and then you've noticed that they, you feel like they're a taker and you, then you're on edge for one, when you're around them and B when they need help, you're not going to give it. Like It's just more common human sense to be like, nah, I don't, I don't know if I really trust that person. I'd rather give this opportunity to somebody else. And the givers are, if you think about it on a systems level, the givers are adding currency basically to the system, favor currency. They're just giving out favors and value, and that creates more value in the system. The takers are pulling it off the table. The matchers are moving it all around. The more givers there are, the more there is to be had for everybody. Indeed. Yeah. Highly recommended. And also Siamo required reading. Yes. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> Uh, so there's two more that I definitely lean towards and maybe we'll have time for a, a third one. But first, this was a very brief one, but the idea of essentialism, this is by Greg McEwen. Essentialism is a book that was recommended to us actually by a previous podcast guest, Sam Moore, but it's about the basic motto boils down to being able to do less better. You only have so much energy to give. So focus that energy and make sure it's in a few places. You can't give it to all of the places. You can have 10 different things you're working on, but you'll only be able to give a 10th of your energy at best to each of those if you try and do all of them. Because if you focus down to what's really essential, what's really necessary, you have a lot more power you can push behind something that really matters to you. So it's about getting down to what actually truly matters and is essential to you and focusing energy on that and being able to turn down the other things because that's where you really drive and change and turn the needle. Yeah, that's a great book. It's not very long either, but it's a really good book. It's just going to remember, like, we're, we're not going to be able to do everything. So what if we switch our mindset into expecting ourselves to do everything half badly and just figuring out, like, what actually does need to be done? And part of that, I think it's also some courage and self-reflection on you're going to have to say no to things and it's okay. And getting sucked into the like, well, but so-and-so is going to be feel feel bad or, you know, or they're going to wonder this. And I'm like, then now we're slave to what other people may be thinking, which we guarantee that's not what they're thinking because they're not in their minds. And most likely they're not even thinking about what we're doing or us <laughs> <laughs> because there's enough in their heads in the 900 plus <laughs> words that are swimming around. And none of them are about whatever we think they're expecting from us. So, you know, like, what if we could actually provide value in the best way by recognizing that we can only reduce how many things we keep on our plate? 
That great reminder to really prioritize where your energy goes. And a reminder that as much as we would like to think so, as much as we would like to believe that we can make it so, our energy is decidedly finite. There's only so much you get to spend in a day. There's only so much you, you can you can do things to help recharge this. You can spend it in more efficient ways. Those are all great ways of thinking about where you're putting your energy. And another way to, and this is really great, this book is all about like how to really focus delivering as much energy as possible to the things that really, really will drive some change and mean something to you. Which brings us actually to the other book that I'd love to discuss. We've both read this one. This one's much more about like life philosophy, but it builds on the ideas of essentialism. 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Just truly, this is one that'll change how you think about your entire life. This is the concept of 4,000 Weeks is that the human lifespan is about 4,000 weeks long which is kind of shocking when you think about it. And then it makes sense. You got 50 weeks ish in a year, 52, and you live about 80 years. That that boils down to 4,000 weeks. So you have about 4,000 weeks on this planet. What are you going to do with them? It bridges between like reminding us that there is no time management system that will get us to <laughs> be able to do all of the things. And the world is so wide and filled with so many potential experiences that you will miss out on 99.9% .9 of them no matter what. Like, no matter what you do, you only have limited time, you only have limited space, you will decidedly miss out on the majority of things. So how are you going to actually think about the things that you do do? And how are you going to pick those? And, I'll, and this is an excellent book in reminding us all of the ways that those are important, reminding us not to try and invest in all of the latest time management systems to see if we can get that time back and then answer every single email and also be fully invested in our relationships and also do all of these things. Is At all of the things we deal with on a daily basis, it's a good reminder that we can't do it all and that we need to be, we need to admit that to ourselves so we can make the most of what we can do. It is an excellent book, very similar to Essentialism. Uh, from a different perspective, but it's it's that time is for us as human beings is finite. It's infinite as a concept that we create anyway, but our time is finite. And so how do we want to use it? And if we break it down to that, you know, the thought of 4,000 week weeks in a lifetime, it's pretty scary because we do tend to make decisions and go through life as is, oh, well, we can just do it next week. Or, you know, I can take this on or, you know, it's okay if I don't talk to this friend or respond or see this person for another, you know, one to 400 weeks, because it's going to take me, you know, whatever the math is there, you know, 10 plus years to actually make the effort to like, is it though? Because there's not this never ending thing. So prioritizing, like, what do we actually want our 4,000 weeks to be in our life? It's a big thing. Yeah, that truly, that changed how I thought about all of things in life. Just, I forever pursued the idea of uh, a lot of the common traps that I think a lot of people fall into, or maybe it's just me, maybe I'm alone in this one. But uh, either way, I tried to hold all the doors open. I tried to do all the things. I tried to make sure I could be able to do other things. And it's a good way to exhaust yourself and disappoint yourself all at the same time. Yep. Definitely a good way for that. So yeah. Enjoy these books. Hope you find something useful in them. We have lots more. And so we'll probably do uh, other episodes on this, but these are the ones that we recommend today. Yeah. Also keep it going. Yeah. Keep an infinite mindset and give, yeah. but not so much <laughs> that you run out of weeks and only the yes. essential stuff. So that's the core of the message. If you combine all the philosophies of this, it'll be fine. <laughs> all <Yes>. these books. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Uncover the Human, a Siamo podcast. 
Special thanks to our podcast operations wizard, Jake Lara, and our score creator, Rachel Sherwood. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share, review, and subscribe. You can find our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear from you with feedback, topic ideas, or questions. You can reach us at podcast at wearesiamo.com or at our website, wearesiamo.com, LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. We Are Siamo is spelled W-E-A-R-E-S-I-A-M-O. Until next time, listen to yourself, listen to others, and always uncover the human.